You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. We are an element of programming of Catholic Chicago, and we are here every fourth Wednesday of the month. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship with the Archdiocese of Chicago, and as always, or at least most often, uh, joined by uh, Timothy and Danielle. Timothy and Danielle, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Well, I'm Danielle Noe from LTP, which is also an agency of uh, the Archdiocese. I do have a whiny puppy here, so she's joining (laughs) me from home. (laughs) So if you hear something, and and Timothy. And I'm Timothy Johnston from the Office of Worship in the Archdiocese of Washington. And we gather every fourth Wednesday of the month to do exactly what our title is implies we break open various parts of the church's corporate communal liturgical life the seasons the sacraments um and and even um papal letters apostolic letters (laughs) yes we do and we have an exciting one to talk about today this is Uh, this is right up our alley you guys this is all this is all liturgy (laughs) geek right here yes well all of it when this came out there was such a burst of excitement at ltp of yes what we do is reinforced and validated by the highest authority (laughs) of the church right so this new apostolic letter is i i hope i pronounce this correctly desiderio desideravi that is a mouthful i know i refer to it just as (laughs) just as dd (laughs) desiderio desideravi that's that's the title of of the 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 uh, apostolic letter hey you guys just maybe give a a little um uh overview for the folks that are listening our plan uh, is to uh, today talk about uh, this letter and and just in mm-hmm. in a in a general overview. All three of us are very excited about this new papal letter, and uh, but we've decided the three of us have decided that for the next number of shows, mm-hmm. we're going to dive deeper, unpack. Uh, and talk about in greater detail all of the various themes and and concepts yeah. and and uh, uh, calls that Pope Francis makes in this yes. letter. It's not a very long letter, but it's rich. It, as you pointed out before we started, Todd, it, there's a number of topics, and it may be to the to the faithful it may seem a little hard to follow. So we're going to kind of unpack this and and clarify these main themes. And essentially, the point of this letter it's right there in the English title on the liturgical formation of the people of God. That's how and I refer says, to it. Yeah, it's DD yeah. on the liturgical formation of the people of God. That's that's his his main thing. 
And that goes back to the Second Vatican Council, which really calls for the liturgy as central to our lives of faith, the liturgy as source and summit. And our own bishops have picked up on this with various documents that have come forth, but really what, you know, comes out from from the RCIA and how we do adult faith formation is that the liturgy should always be the central source of our formation, of our catechesis, of our life. And the Pope himself, I always say he stole my line. Because <laughs> I always said how the liturgy is is the is the the first teacher is the primary yeah. teacher and Pope Francis said the liturgy is the first catechism. Yeah, yeah, the first right? yeah yeah the first catechism exactly. You know, uh, Timothy and Danielle. Before before we get into the meat of the of the apostolic letter itself, um, let let's let's just talk a little bit about what is an apostolic letter. So the, it, this is his most recent one. <clears throat> it, it was issued on just ju- June 29th, so just a couple of weeks ago, the solemnity of uh, Saints Peter and Paul. And uh, maybe, maybe uh, Timothy, what what I- what is an apostolic letter? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me, <laughs> <laughs> or or Danielle yeah. either. Yeah, no, definitely chime in because I I'm one of those folks that I always I end up getting things a little mixed up. But um, it, it's not as high as an encyclical in, in the sense of a teaching authority in that regard. But it is it has a weight because it is uh, it's a teaching document in a sense, um, and and certainly Danielle add into this. Um, it, it comes out as a way to help guide and, and in some ways, uh, yeah, I, well, in this particular case, like teach, you know, it's trying yeah. to move us in a particular direction um, on on behalf of, of the Pope um, in that sense. Um, but there are different levels of documents, you know, from motu proprios to apostolic letters and, and various things like that. And they all sort of have different uh, um, purposes or weight yeah. in that sense. Yeah. And different audiences too, right? So some letters are directed specifically to his brother bishops. Right. Others mm-hmm. are directed to the clergy specifically. This one is directed to bishops, priests, deacons, consecrated men and women, and to the lay faithful. So the entire Everybody. people of God. Yep, exactly. Right? That's a great point, Danielle. He's very, in this latest apostolic letter, he very specifically writes to the whole church, to all of mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and it, it just it does strike me and just throw this out to the listeners as well. Um, if it's a letter from the pope to the whole church, do you think many people read these apostolic letters that, that the pope may issue? Uh, I think it's a small percentage. Honestly, yeah. I think more people I think the liturgy world is very excited about this. I we had a conference last week that LTP um, hosted over at Loyola, and I did hear rumblings about it. Um, people who were more, um, it, it was for RCIA team members, but it was those that had more of a liturgical side. They they were so excited about it and um, ch- talking about it. There was a lot of energy about it. Um, I, I I think the reality is. I think a small percentage read them, but yeah. that might be my cynicism showing. <laughs> no, I, think, I think you're right. I, I don't know if. Unless somebody is is paying attention, you know, I think about it in the scheme of, of the church. I mean, there's certainly a, a generation, I don't know if that's the right word to use, or a group of people who, you know, still are, are prevalent in the church that, you know, they're not necessarily being attentive to what's going on at the higher echelon or the hierarchical mm-hmm. structure. Like they're just in their parish, and that's great, and that's wonderful. And so unless the pastor or the somebody in the parish is making it known to them, 
it's not something that's on their radar necessarily. Um, certainly, there I you know there's probably a smaller group of people like Danielle noted of liturgists or musicians uh, that that are familiar or at least keeping in tune with that. But there are pastors, I'm sure that that are going to make this available to their mm -hmm. uh, people or at least preach on it or, or note that. I will say when when I first read it, um, I mean that was one of, as, as we just noted one of the first things I noted that or noticed is that this was written you know to the whole church. And it is written in a particular context of everything going on right now within the life of the church. Like this isn't just like, here's random letter from Pope Francis on the surgical formation. I mean, if you look at, if people have been paying attention, um, and, and again, I I have a particular perspective on this, of course, of what's been going on since last summer with Traditionus Custodes, which was the document that Pope Francis issued to limit or restrict, I don't know if those are the best words, but but certainly to alter how the pre-Vatican II liturgy is is implemented and celebrated um, in in our dioceses in the country, and I don't want to open that can of worms necessarily. But this is coming within that context because he has been, I think, pretty adamant and and pastorally clear that the council has authority. Yeah, and yeah. and there's there's we've we've been in a kind of a weird place the last several years, in my opinion of where we've been, there's that tension. And, and maybe in regular parishes, they don't feel that necessarily. I'm probably using all the wrong words uh, for this. But I know here in Washington, for example, we have nine parishes that celebrate that, uh, the liturgy uh, of, of uh, uh, the pre-council Latin mass. And there's a lot of tension, what's going to happen and how does this document impact them? Yeah. Um, there's been some interesting conversations around that. This this new liturgical document. So my last thing before I'll I'll stop talking for a bit is, uh, when again when I first read this and thinking about that context in which which we're reading this and in this day and age, I was. I had a hope. I had hope, when I finished reading it in a way that I haven't really felt in terms of liturgy in a long time. Oh wow! Like I was filled with like the excitement that I remember growing up with. And mm -hmm. not in like the willy-nilly, like well, it's balloon masses, like not that kind, but the excitement of the depth of what the liturgy can mm -hmm. actually, what it does, not what it actually does, what it does for us every time we gather. And what I've experienced, and that so many people maybe aren't experiencing or rail against because they're like, well, the Latin mass is this or that, and um, or our celebrations just are, are perfunctory in some cases. Right. And so people aren't in, in the depth of, of what the liturgy right. does. Yeah, And it made me think about, those early years of the liturgical renewal, which obviously I was not alive for, but what Francis talks about, and maybe I'm pushing the the, the line here a little bit, is exactly what people like Virgil Michael, Hillenbrand, uh, Michael Matthijs, uh, Hellriegel in St. Louis, like that's exactly what they were trying to do with the liturgical renewal was how, and Daniel, you even said this earlier, is it was about how do we engage this whole mystical body, the past right. mystery, but it isn't just random things. Like we have to, we have to investigate. We have to in, immerse it ourselves takes work. into it the takes signs work. and symbols. Yeah, and it takes work. Yeah, just you for know, our, just for our listeners, real quick, uh, the names that uh, Timothy just cited are leaders in the liturgical movement in the right. early in the uh, the early part of last century. And in the United States right. specifically. Right, right. Um, well, one thing that I would say about Francis, like if you look over, you know, the popes of my my life have been JP2 Benedict and, and now Pope Francis. And clearly 
John Paul II and Benedict had a great love of the liturgy. They wrote about the liturgy, G.S. Domine, Sacramentum Caritatis. Um, Benedict wrote about the books on the liturgy before he was even um, elected pope. I, You know, I would never use the characterization of a liturgical pope for Francis, right? No. But in Jesuits terms aren't, of Jesuits aren't theology, known for that. <laughs> no, right, exactly. But Francis's document, and even in some of the other documents that have preceded this, I would say that Francis is the so what Pope, right? Yeah. He puts it in context. Like you have this, these, the, all of these teachings that have preceded my papacy now put it into action. What does all of this mean? Yeah. And he has such a profound sense of liturgical theology. He gets it. Yeah. He gets it in a way that I wish would transform the hearts of everybody to put it in practice, yeah. right? Yep. There's there's a just real quick before we have to take a break here. There is um, on the Vatican website. There is a um, a page that kind of uh, categorizes Pope Francis's homilies, Wednesday catechesis, letters, mm-hmm. apostolic letters, and exhortations, where it categorizes them on liturgy. And uh-huh. there's 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 one um, there's one link where it says uh, uh, Pope Francis on the beauty of the liturgy, and then there are all these quotes from various uh, yes. various writings. So, and and if you look at that page, Danielle, I was kind of surprised to find it. There's an awful lot that cite that cite there is, and in his regular homilies and addresses to the people, that's where I've gotten a lot of the nuggets from. Yeah, beyond you know apostolic exhortations or apostolic letters is in those daily reflections and addresses to people. Um, so he, he it, it is a concern for him. It just he mm-hmm. has a love for the liturgy, mm-hmm. and as you said, he has a true sense of what the liturgy is to be yeah and what the council sought it to be yes and that we are not yet there we we we, it's a big machine it's an old machine and it moves slowly and the fact that that's reflective of the human condition right right. we're always in this realm of already and not yet right right? Right. he just (laughs) reminds us the work of the council is ongoing and we still need to tend to it yeah but I, I think that, that, that some of this, and, and again, I'm kind of reading into this a little bit or theologizing about this, I think this is part of his, the method of his, <laughs> the method of his madness, if you will, in, in the good sense of that, is because the Constitution on Sacred Liturgy was that first document, and it sets the stage for, for how the Council unfolds, I think that part of his methodology, and, and as a Jesuit, I could see him very systematically kind of thinking through this, is that is the entryway to understand if we're going to understand how the council was or wasn't implemented, we have to go back and we have to look at the liturgy mm-hmm. and we have to look at what this document's telling us, even though he isn't concretely or directly addressing those documents always, I think it's just, it's, it's the undergirding of his own formation. Right. Um, yeah. And, and how, how I think he was as, as a bishop, how he was as the Jesuit superior, I think there's something you know, very different in terms of, of his writing um, style from Benedict and, and, and John Paul. He, he's not a philosopher. He's not, uh, you know, a, a theologian in the sense of, of, yeah. uh, of Pope of, Benedict. Uh, of, of Pope Benedict. Yeah. But he's he's a pastoral theologian. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, and I love that Daniel Daniel the way you said that. The so what question is he is able to contextualize from his own experience, and I do believe 
that that his Jesuit formation, as much as Jesuits aren't known for liturgy in that regard, I think it helps aid the wisdom that comes from the pastoral experience, from the academic training, and from holding sort of all the things of the church, yep. uh, you know, in this, in this particular role. Yep. When to, we, uh, to, we got to take oh, a quick break here, guys, but when, when we come back, um, uh, let, let's talk just a little bit about the title. Cause I think that can help us understand part of, uh, uh his reasoning and his approach as well. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back with more focus on the liturgy right after these messages. Catholic Charities offers a wide variety of volunteer opportunities to those who want to share their time and help us serve people in need. Whether it's stocking the shelves of our food pantries, helping refugees learn the English language, tutoring school-aged children, becoming a mentor to young adults, sorting clothes in our clothing rooms, serving hot meals to those who are facing homelessness, or delivering meals and making cards to lift the spirits of our homebound seniors, we are deeply grateful to all those who want to join in our mission of mercy. Volunteer opportunities are updated weekly for people of all ages at ccofchicagovolunteer.com or just call us at 312-655-7053. That's 312-655-7053. Thank you for helping us follow Jesus' call to serve our neighbors in need. This is year 44 for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. (laughs) Right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. They see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What, what, you're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. (laughs) I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. (laughs) Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States, and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219.
Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. We're also streaming on YouTube and Facebook. And Timothy, Danielle, and I, we're, we're talking about the uh, most recent papal uh, apostolic letter. Uh, uh, Desiderio Desideravi um, is the title of it. And uh, it was issued on June 29th, the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. And uh, for our listeners, I really, really encourage you to um, to go and to read this letter. Um, as Danielle noted, it's it's not long. What is it, guys? 61 paragraphs, I think. Um it's it's it, it's uh so it's 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 uh, 65 paragraphs so it's it's easily it's easily yeah, accessible you can find it on the vatican website um timothy i don't know about in the archdiocese of chicago but uh uh we have a um a weekly email that goes out to all the pastors all the parishes i actually put an announcement in there and put a link to it so that and encouraged pastors and litur- liturgical leaders in the parish to read the letter so I, I don't know if, you, if you've done the, that, that, that same thing. Uh, my, uh, Brian just put it up on, uh, on the screen for the, uh, the YouTube and the Facebook stream, but uh, you can find mm-hmm. it, as we said, on the, on the Vatican website. Uh, it's titled Desiderio Desideravi. Um, it, let's talk just a little bit about that. All of these, they, they all have strange titles, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a method to the yes. title of these documents. Danielle, what is that? Uh, documents are always named in Latin, of course, um, and they're named by the first few words of the document. So uh, Sacra Sanctum Concilium, for example, that document begins with this sacred council. Right, right, right. So this one comes from Luke 22. Um, it's a direct quote from scripture of, I have earnestly desired, right? Yeah. And it referencing how Jesus earnestly desires to eat the Passover um, with you. And I think, and, and there's a heading under this as, you know, liturgy, the today of salvation history, and what follows is liturgy as an encounter. And that is a central message of this pontificate. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. It begins, um, uh, Evangelii Gaudium, that no one should feel that Jesus is not for them, yes. that, the, that the gospel is not for them. And likewise, no one should feel that the liturgy is not for them, that Jesus welcomes us into his paschal mystery into his life into his very being and where do we primarily encounter jesus but the liturgy yep. the liturgy is where we receive him in his in, in in the fullness of his presence in word sacrament minister and within each other his action right? his presence his action and and mm-hmm. and and that and that we we encounter Christ in the liturgy in mm-hmm. such a way, and and we, you, the three of us, we've said this over and over and over so many times. And He does something to us. It's not it's it, and I think that's key yes. in that idea of encounter. Um, and yeah. and like you said, Danielle, Pope Francis has consistently written and spoken and preached about this. Jesus mm-hmm. wants to encounter us. Jesus yes. wants to want and and in encounter in encountering us wants to move us, change us, form us, yes. transform us. And, yes. and, and, and he does that most uniquely, as the Pope says, in, in the liturgy. Yes, yes. And he, he stresses that no one has earned a place at that supper, right? It's right. not about merit-based or good behavior, that 
all have been invited. And he also, you can tell what frustrates him because in paragraph five, he follows that with the world still does not know it. Right, but that they've been invited. Is invited to the supper of the Lamb. And I, I, I do think that that, that, that is profound. The fact that mm-hmm. the, the title and the gospel account in which he's situating this uh, opening of this letter, I, Jesus speaking to all, to his disciples in the gospel, but to all of us, yeah. I have earnestly or eagerly, I mean, that yeah. word can be, right? I have, I have eagerly, I've, I have long desired to eat this yeah. Passover with you, to, to, to eat this meal with you. Timothy, yeah. you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, I, I just love uh, that. And I also think that that particular kind of phrasing, again, I'm just thinking of this like in terms of literary work, is that it is so, well, I shouldn't say it's so, but it is different. It, you know, from the, the tone of that is so different. And it, again, you can read into that, like looking at paragraph five, is this is really rooted in something that yeah. that has impacted him as as a person a baptized person as a priest as a bishop as archbishop and now as, as the pope like he is pleading because of I, and maybe i'm reading into this but because of his love of christ and the way that he has encountered christ in his own life he desires that for all of us which is what our tradition teaches right this is what mm-hmm. scripture teaches it's what the eucharist and because he has experienced this, he can write from that experience. Right. Um, and then say, this, you're missing out. Like, this is for all of us. This <laughs> yeah. is for everybody. Yes. And then how are we going to to do that? It's also, I think, on the, even though he does not name it in this particular document, we know that, that mass attendance, especially in this country, is waning in different locations. So I, I can't imagine that's not on his radar of yeah. thinking about because of the council was so profound, we haven't really done the work of liturgical formation the council asked us to, and now people are not engaged in the life of Christ in the in the way that they once were. But we are never going to go back to the way it once was. We can't because right. that wouldn't be the Paschal mystery. Right. We really have to name and die to the reality of what we've experienced. So that if we if we dive in and people really like if we really believe that Jesus desires to celebrate this this meal with us eagerly, then how can we not be in the pews? How, how can we not? How can we not? As 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 I I think it was Agena said, how can we not run? Go running to right. <laughs> to to yeah, that celebration. Which... But uh, that is I again I just think that is a very profound starting point that we start from the very the 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 very first point the very the starting point the basis is. God's love for us and Jesus's, oh my gosh, overwhelming love for us and desire for us. In paragraph six, this kind of flows from the idea that no one has earned a place at that at, at the supper, for example. And he, in paragraph six, he emphasizes every time we go to mass, the first reason is that we are drawn there by his desire for us. And so when we participate in that, he continues that it's a surrender 
to that love by letting ourselves be drawn by him. And I, I wanted to emphasize that because I'm reminded of a professor that Timothy and I both had and that we have uh, loved and respected very, very much. And he always says that our God as a living God, right, lives forgiving. So he would break up the word forgiving, forgiveness, that God loves lives forgiving. He gave himself for us that we would be drawn back in to that life. Yes. But in, into, and I think into that Francis love. doesn't specifically say that, but reading between the lines, this is all what it's, it's about gift. Yeah. Yeah. And responding to that gift. And, and, and it, it, that whole idea, the, the very first reason that every time we go to mass, the first reason is that we are drawn there. How many of us, <laughs> how many of us would say the first reason I'm here is to fulfill my obligation. Right. The first, exactly. the first reason, the first reason I'm here is because I'm a guilty sinner. The first reason yeah. that I'm here is because um, I want to get it out of the way and have the rest of my Sunday. He, Pope Francis says, no, yeah. the first reason we are there is because we are drawn by that profound yeah. and immense love that he has yeah. for us. This is going way too quick, you guys. We got to take another break. <laughs> <laughs> we can Let's pick it up there, That just that divine love and its relationship to the liturgy. Okay. Stay with us. We're talking about the uh, apostolic letter on the liturgical formation of the people of God. We'll be right back after these messages. are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit, and now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. 
There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeteryschicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to this second half of Focus on the Liturgy, an element of programming of Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship for the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I'm Danielle Noe from Liturgy Training Publications, also at the Archdiocese. And I'm Timothy Johnston in the Worship Office in the Archdiocese of Washington. And if you are just joining us for the second half hour, we are talking about the latest papal uh, uh, letter, the apostolic letter, uh, Desiderio Desideravi, uh, on the liturgical formation of the people of God. Uh, it is the focus of this show, and as we noted earlier, it's going to be the focus of the next number of shows uh, for Focus on the Liturgy. We're going to spend the rest of the summer and into the fall breaking this, uh, uh, this apostolic letter letter open more and more and more. And because, uh, again, I think because it is such a profound call on the part of Pope Francis to A, that the people of the world know of God's deepest desire to be with Mm -hmm. them. That of, of, of their deepest, of, of, of the, uh, the triune God's deepest love for us. I mean, come on, that's what he's been talking about since, he's, uh, for, since the right. moment of, of his election, right? He even says that, that the, um, uh, the, Jesus' desire at the Last Supper, to eat the Last Supper, he says that's just a little crevice is the word he uses, mm-hmm. right? This little, this little opening through which we might even begin to understand Right. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's deep love for us. We can never fully right. understand that, right? right? We only ever get to catch a glimmer of that. But that glimmer that we see or encounter or experience is brought to us in the liturgy itself. And that, you know, he, he talks about beauty a lot mm-hmm. in this letter. Yeah, the beauty and um, truth of the liturgy, he says. And there is a power in that beauty. Um, in paragraph 10, he says, here lies all the powerful beauty of the liturgy. If the resurrection were for us a concept, an idea, or a thought, if the risen one were for us the recollection of the recollection of others, however authoritative, if there were not given also to us the possibility of a true encounter with him, that would be to declare the newness of the word made flesh to have been all used up. But instead, the incarnation, and I'm glad he emphasizes the incarnation. Oh my, I here, thought of you. Not I just did. resurrection. <laughs> I thought of you. This is, this is key, to the, I think, to understanding liturgy. Instead, the incarnation, in addition to being the only always new event that history knows, is also the very method that the Holy Trinity has chosen to open to us the way of communion. Christian faith is either an encounter with him alive or it does not exist. I think that line is terribly paramount. Mm-hmm. Either mm-hmm. Christian faith is an encounter with Christ, or that 
faith does not exist. Yeah. Uh, either, either, either the faith is an encounter with him or it's, yes. em- or it's empty faith. Yes. God so loved us that he dwelt a tent among yes. us, right? Pitched and his that tent. presence yes. is ongoing, right? Yep. Um and 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 through his life, through his incarnation, it wasn't just about a baby in a manger. It's about a way of living, a, a way of who we are meant to be as human in our fullness. Yeah. Christ came so that we would become divine. Right. In our fullness. Exactly. Yes. Timothy, Timothy, you were gonna say something. Well, yeah, I was just gonna follow up because of, of, of that uh particular paragraph i mean as he goes on i mean this is why i think there's so much he's very systematic in how he wants to approach this is because he continues with that encounter theme like it, it you have to encounter otherwise it doesn't exist right like there's no living but it's rooted in baptism and the sacraments and that comes as he as i see you know he's trying to contextualize again what our celebration is and as danielle was just noting to get to the heart of the matter which will be breaking open right is that we can celebrate all these wonderful things, but if we don't dive into them and break them open, we'd never get to the the meat of it. We never, we, we, I shouldn't say never, it's more difficult to understand what God is doing in our lives when we don't step back and reflect on them and celebrate the liturgy well. And so, you know, I, I think when we look at paragraphs 11 and 12, and again, we'll, we'll probably break this open at, at, uh, at other points, because he gets at this later on in the letter, is we have to celebrate the liturgy intentionally and well with beauty with dignity because that's what's going to draw our heart and mind into the mystery it's the the speaking of the symbols that draw us into the divine draw us into that and and as you were talking danielle i was thinking about i was at a baptism here recently and and it was nice it was beautiful in in the in the sort of very simple sense but i was sitting there thinking especially after reading this letter if paragraph 12 where it says our first encounter with his paschal deed is the event that marks the life of all believers, our baptism. If that is true, and we believe it, and we do believe it, this is where we are intimately bound to the life of Christ. Then why do we celebrate these sacraments so mundanely? I don't want to say poorly, where there's no music, there aren't trained lectors, there aren't uh, worship aids for the assembly to participate. And I know that in some people's minds, it's like, well, that's just, it's just baptism. It's just baptism. It's, <laughs> it's it, merely yeah. baptism. Yeah. It, this is, and I think that that's why when he talks about, you know, as he's setting the stage here, I think that's where he's ultimately getting at, or maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it demands because of the encounter, the liturgy demands more fruitful, intentional preparation. And because, celebration. And celebration. Yeah. Sing, sing to the Lord of uh, Music and Divine Worship has this wonderful line about good celebrations strengthen faith and poor celebrations weaken our faith. And I, I thought of that quote specifically later on when I was reading this letter about how he's talking about how the, the Christian faithful do not understand signs and symbols. We don't know how to interpret them. Right. And if you're thinking about the liturgy as an encounter and we kind of say loosely, oh, we encounter the full presence of Christ, but he has this beautiful line about how when we're encountering the lord jesus and his passion in his presence he's continuing to pardon us to heal us to save us with the power of the sacraments when we experience the liturgy we are brought to this understanding of who god is and how god works in our lives and what god wants for us yeah so i 
when Jesus unrolled the scroll in the temple and he says, the spirit of the Lord is, is upon me to bring glad tidings to the poor and so forth. You know, when we're baptized, it's not just baptism. Then we're called forth in that responsibility and that with that divine gift to be exactly as we encounter God in the liturgy that we encounter God's love and his mercy and his, and his eternal salvation. And we are so inspired and full of joy that how can we not continue and, that life? And more conformed to him after mm-hmm. the, our participation in the liturgy. Right. So then how can we not live out right. of that imagery of Christ that, that first we were baptized to be and would, what every liturgy continues to shape and mold us more and more right. and more right and and it, because let's go back to to where we started this segment danielle that that yes we encounter the divine we encounter god we encounter christ in so many different ways right through relationships <clears throat> through birth of a child through nature mm-hmm. through um uh, uh crises yes that that is that is most certainly true but francis says the most unique that word unique mm-hmm. and the most profound encounter with Christ that we have is in his liturgy and his sacraments. I don't usually share personal things on the show, but I've never said before that it was the liturgy that made me Catholic, that inspired me to me Catholic. I was not raised in the faith. I was baptized Catholic when I was four. My parents did not raise me in the faith, but I was invited, which is that key <laughs> thing of Francis, that invitation. A friend invited me to go to Mass with her. And I don't know how to explain what happened afterwards, but there was just something that resonated me deeply with that liturgical experience that it felt like coming home. It all made sense wow. to me. It wow. grabbed me. It And I wanted more. Wow. What do you it mean you don't know what it was? It was an encounter with Christ. Sure, sure. But as a 17, 16-year-old <laughs> girl, you know, you don't know how to explain right. those experiences well. But it opened the door to a whole life that I never envisioned. Wow. It changed me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's why we say you don't... The, the, you, you fall in love with the liturgy, and I think mm-hmm. that's what Francis wants us to do. The Pope wants yeah. us to fall in love with the liturgy because in doing that, yeah. we are falling in love with Christ. Yeah. Because, we, yeah. And, 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 then, and then so, then this kind of brings it back um, uh, to the title. Uh, and so if this is true, and Timothy, like you just said, if this is what we say we believe, and we do say we believe it, yeah. th- then, then formation on the liturgy yeah. and by the liturgy is essential that's what that's the on the liturgical formation of the people of god if this is what we say we believe about the liturgy and 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 what we say about jesus's desire to eat a meal with us then then continued formation of the people of god on the liturgy is essential for the life of the church you know and i want to you made me think of this todd that and I, i don't know if i'll articulate this well but you know, when we when we use the word formation often in the church, I don't. I, I'm just curious with our listeners how that resonates. Like, what does that mean for you, as as a listener? Because I'm thinking, like, in terms of my parents or my own family, like they would hear that as like, oh, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to learn these these. Formation things. is not education. 
and it's not yeah it's not education and i think i mean this is what we've been trying to articulate and i just want to kind of say this again or or, or maybe a different way is liturgical formation while you might learn sort of some of the nitty-gritty things of the liturgy you know why we do what we do kinds of things it is about this encounter going back to that yeah. it is about being shaped transformed more and more as danielle pointed out as todd has, has re reiterated into the image of christ yeah. uh, into the life of and that's why the the, the baptism like that's why his starting point is baptism yeah. because we are completely changed when we are plunged into that water right ontologically so, changed yeah like and and so the formation that we go through in the course of our life as eight-year-olds as 40-year-olds as 80-year-olds whatever it might be is formation to be in this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, hopefully in deeper ways as we grow older and in new ways. And so the formation is, I come to the liturgy week after week, and I hear that reading in a new way because of how I've spent my week reflecting on who God is in my life, how God has worked in my life, and the struggles I've had. I come to that Eucharistic table because of the poor person I accompanied or the, the family I was with because they lost a child or the grandmother who's dying of cancer. I, I, that, that's the encounter that because we're encountering Christ in our daily life, we come back to this Eucharistic banquet. We come to the liturgy vows, we come to baptism, reconciliation, all of the sacramental liturgies of the church, right? And the formation is that I come to know Jesus more intimately. Think about if yes. you are married, your spouse, right? Over the course of your time together, your formation as, as a married couple, you learn more about one another as you live together. You come to a deeper understanding, yeah. a deeper experience. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Like I you know, I think this is I think this is key. We need to pick this up, but we gotta take one more break. We'll return for our last segment on this introductory show on the latest apostolic letter. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. myself going into any other school. Our school fosters growth by being 
a backbone to our family. My kids are incredibly well-rounded. I see a lot of kindness in them on a daily basis. One of the things I think Catholic schools do well is personalize the learning experience. You can hear joy in the classrooms. I feel that like I'm happy that I am in this kind of school. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artschicago.org slash findaschool. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. Welcome back to this last segment of Focus on the Liturgy. Timothy and Danielle and I have been talking about Desiderio Desideravi uh, on the liturgical formation of the people of God, the most recent apostolic letter from Pope Francis issued just this last July 29th. Uh, and, and at that last break, Timothy, we're kind of just in this, in this kind of introduction to the letter this, that this show, is, we wanted this show to be. Um, we've kind of gone through uh, in a sense, kind of the the, um, the 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 way that Pope Francis has organized the letter, right? He he starts with with uh, acknowledging Jesus uh, Jesus's deep desire to eat with us, to share this meal with us, um, God's great love for us, and then uh, Danielle, as 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 you've said so well, he then pivots into say, saying um, and the most unique and powerful and and a profound way that Jesus encounters us today is through the liturgy and the importance of the liturgy uh, and and so and and then and then kind of takes that and says okay so that's why formation on the liturgy is so important and and <laughs> and Timothy that's where we ended before that last break you were talking about that whole idea of formation it's not just classes right it's not just book learning it's 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 uh, formation is is being shaped and molded and formed and in in a, in a number of different ways and Danielle you liken this to the uh, uh, rite of Christian initiation of adults right well Timothy gave a wonderful uh, definition of what formation 
transformation truly is and about conversion. And that is the essence that is the church's vision for how we initiate new Christians, right? So I would like to invite all of our listeners to grab your copy of the Rite of Christian Initiation. <laughs> Take it right off there your by shelves, your Right there by your bedside. Open it up to paragraph 75, which talks about the vision of the catechumenate, what it is and how it's supposed to take place. And that we are immersing them into the Christian life. We are training them as Christians. So they need to be exposed and experience the liturgy. That catechesis should be adapted to the liturgical year, which is how we have developed lectionary-based resources for catechesis, right? Because it flows from the liturgical year. Paragraph 75 is not just a vision of the catechumenate. It is a vision of the church and how formation takes place afterwards. And parish life. It's a vision of parish life. So I, I really think it's important for parishes to reflect deeply on, on that paragraph and, and, and its four points, because how we do catechesis is not just about how we do our CIA. It's, it's the church's vision, and our bishops are very firm on that with the document, Our Hearts Are Burning Within Us, that, that the catechumenate presents a vision of adult faith formation, right? And what Francis is talking about here by, by starting with baptism, that really re- reading between the lines of that and liturgy as formation really emphasizes that church's vision that that um the 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 option to reflect on the liturgy and how it changes us is so important for for the life of the faithful mystagogy doesn't end with initiation right. it is about it's the ongoing. life of the it's christian ongoing. yep and, and always oh, giving yeah. that option and that, that i think that's why he makes such a point of saying yeah i'm talking about formation on the liturgy, right? Mm-hmm. We, that, that, but he he says, and he's very, he says the second one is even more essential: formation by the liturgy. That is, mm-hmm. that is that by the litur- by participating consciously, fully, actively with understanding all of that um, by 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 and let and in, and letting Christ encounter us in the liturgy, that teaches us as well. That forms us. That transforms us. It shapes us and it molds us. Yes. That's why that's yeah, so important. You just never think, Tata, too, like when, when when you're at liturgy, part of formation or part of this in, in this living as a Christian uh, disciple in this in this particular context is what questions arise after your experience? What you know, going back to what Danielle just said about mystagogy, like as participants and, and actively engaged, like we aren't just observers of this liturgical act, right? We which which that's part of the formation that, that has to happen is we have to help people understand as members of the assembly, you're essential in the way you participate. Like the you Christ have a church. Role because of your baptism, right? <laughs> as as, right, as like, Francis calls it, the Christ church. The celebrating right. the celebrating community. The celebrating right. community has and that so you have an active role in what is taking place. And how I I I sort of derailed my thought there. Sorry about that. But the uh, um, oh, the questions. That's what yeah. it was. When when you were present and, and asking those. So if you're actively engaged, what kinds of questions stir up in your heart? What kinds of desires stir up in your heart from the the liturgical yeah. encounter? What kind of revelations you, stir in your heart about yeah, yourself, about yeah. God, about your place, about your life? Exactly, because that's going to be the form of part of that formation it's helping you understand not only yourself the church but your life in christ yep. and we're gonna and, go ahead 
Well, I was just going to say, and that therefore demands that we live differently. Yeah. Right? yeah. As and, a community. And how we learn, how, how we, how we are, are formed for and by the liturgy is, is as Francis talks, is, is on a whole different, and we'll break this open in the coming months, but in, in so many different ways. And, and Danielle, we were talking about it. We got three minutes left here. You were talking about it. It's the idea of, of we need to rediscover the voca- a sacramental vocabulary. We need mm-hmm. to rediscover um, the language of signs and symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and, and yes, yeah. yes. Well, we become a very black and white society, not just in, you know, our experience of Catholicism, but in our day-to-day world, we're very yeah. um, oriented by science and so forth. And that's that, that, and yes, absolutely. We need to be, but the, the realm of metaphor, the realm of story, imagination of all of that is brought up into the life of symbol that does not deny its reality right. at all, Right. but it helps us explore the reality and experience the reality on a deep Way. Because all these realities that we're talking about, Jesus's desire for us, God's mm-hmm. love for us, God's overwhelming for forgiveness, forgiving, yeah. right? Uh, God yeah. is forgiving. Uh, all of that can only be understood through symbol and sign yeah. because it's too, it's too overwhelming. It's too profound. Yeah. It's too deep. And, and, and that's why he wrote the letter. Um, yeah. On the liturgical formation of the people of God and how desperate that we desperately we need that right now. It's essential to the church becoming what the council what the council called the church to be. Um, it's all about formation, Danielle. We want to make sure that we give some time to uh, L- sure. L- LTP has, has put together a website on sure. uh, materials for uh, that ca- that can do what Pope Francis is calling us in uh, Desiderio Desiderati. Absolutely. Uh, if Michael or Brian could pull that website on the screen um, so our listeners can see it. But when this document came out, of course, all of the editors were extremely excited because this is who we are as a company. LTP of course, is an agency of the Archdiocese of Chicago. We yep. publish nationally and internationally. Our mission as a company, we grew out of the Constitution. We grew out of the need for um, people to understand the post-conciliar liturgy and participate in it. So our mission is all about developing resources that lead people into the full conscious and active participation of the liturgy so that they are imbued with the spirit of the liturgy and can go forth and transform the world. All of our resources are focused on that. And so when this document came out, we looked at it, we analyzed it in key subjects that are um, uh, that are evident in this document and uh, provided resources that reflect that. So the use of signs and symbols, the beauty of celebration, um, an invitation to encounter the Lord and then to live the liturgy itself. So what the Pope talks about is who we are as a company and the heart of the the resources that we provide. And we just wanted to give our customers just a kind of a snapshot. So our listeners go to that website. Yeah. Yep. We've been talking about Desiderio Desideravi, the latest apostolic letter of Pope Francis. We will continue in the coming months to break this apostolic letter open. Uh, hopefully uh, our listeners go go to the website, the Vatican website, read this document. Um, it, is, it is amazing and we'll be talking about it in the next number of shows. Danielle, <laughs> Timothy, thanks so much. Absolutely. God bless we- everyone. <laughs> Bye.